podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hi, Paul. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Adrian. Uh, we had this long coming and I'm glad uh, I finally made it. Yes, finally, after quite a few months of uh, discussion, we finally get to speak to learn more about what you're currently doing. But I think importantly, let's talk about this gamification aspect here. Why gamification specifically? The whole idea around gamification came when a client came to us and said, uh, we've seen this huge decline in the number of, uh, of applicants. We've seen a decline in the quality of the applicants. Uh, with these millennial candidates, we really have to do something different. And that got, a, and I just completed with my partner, a, a product that we developed around the game of values. And we thought, Hey, why not, why not, uh, gamify the first step of the recruitment process. And in that part, actually do, do a couple of things. One is to make it much more fun and engaging for candidates. And at the same time, allow the company to showcase themselves to candidates in terms of what it is like to work in a work-life situation. And uh, yeah, so as they all say, the start is a small idea and then it starts, uh, starts thundering down the hill and that's what happened. So we started with this idea of, of gamifying the recruitment process and yeah, we've created, we've created a great journey ever, ever since. Because this is a podcast, so I won't be able to show people how it looks like. So could you walk us through and describe to us as a candidate going through your system, what would he or she be seeing and what would he or she be interacting with? Yeah, so how they come to play the game is through a link that they will receive from either the recruiter or social media pages of the company. When they then click that link, they then see the, what I call the landing page, the, the, the starting page of the game that then represents the company that they apply for. They've been, they will be asked to, to, to register themselves. They will subsequently after login being asked to share some of their personal details. And even if a client wants to upload a specific resume and all those formalities are done. And again, that is all not being done in, a, in an Excel type of format, but it's all been done with a lot of graphics, a lot of uh, animated graphics behind in terms of in which people see an office moving or they see a specific factory site, depending on the, what, what, what the customer context is. So when they've done submitted that information, they then get a short introduction of what, uh, what they can expect. And then they, they will play the game. And the game is then a consist of two or three different elements. It consists of what we call situational judgment tests. So basically a scenario in which through, through the, a number of different game screens, the candidate will be walking through what it means to, uh, to be confronted with a specific situation. And he has to respond in a certain manner. And then depending on how he responds, the scenario develops in a different manner. Uh, so that's one type of game that we've developed. Other games are more cognitive ability games in which basically they have to make sure if that, that they get the, a logistics game, a planning game, a game in which they have to showcase their memory skills or their focus skills and all are within the work environment. And then the third one are 
slightly more standard aptitude type of elements in which again, but we have just improved the user interface. So it's slightly more interesting than uh, going through uh, 60 questions on a white screen. And as a result, yeah, the, the candidates candidate has a much more immersive experience and uh, seems to love it. We've now done this 500,000 times for so many candidates and the response that we always get is absolutely awesome. So yeah, to be honest, we started with the idea of completely changing the way that candidates experience the recruitment process. And then obviously there are a number of benefits that the company gets, but that's what we really want to do, transform the candidate experience. And given that this is a game setting, would it be much more appropriate for a certain age group or even certain functions, white collar versus blue collar? To be honest, if you look at statistics, I think the people that play mobile phones the games the most are, I think if I got the statistics right, females between the age of 36 and 44, 45. And so I, I, I think even my mother, who's 78, plays a number of mobile phones. So I think that we've, we've passed the stage that gaming is only for uh, 14 to 22 year olds. And of course, these are not hardcore, uh, hardcore games where, where that, that you play on the PlayStation. Yeah. So these are very much relatable for every age, age group that is out there. It's just a very different interface and therefore it's much more enjoyable to, to, to play. And how would that also affect the kind of uh, engagement or maybe even the time, the kind of candidates they can reach out to? Uh, using a gamification effect versus the traditional way? Because what you're testing here for, uh, honestly, isn't new. Many assessment companies have already been doing it for quite a number of years. So how has gamification helped in many other ways? Oh, absolutely. I don't, I, I don't claim that we've, uh, that we've changed the assessment uh, methodology. We've just changed the interface and as a result, and, and by using a technology solution, what we then say to clients is, and sorry, by using a technology solution that uh, they can use our games for unlimited number of candidates, we always encourage uh, our, our clients to spread the game as, as wide and deep as possible. Uh, so yeah, we've got now. We've got now a number of clients by, by definition, we have about 8,000 candidates that apply in 8,000 gameplays, 15,000, 25,000. So as a result, you don't have to be restrictive as a company. It, at the start of the process, you can just use the game to get as many people to be engaged with your company. And then subsequently through the analysis and the insights that you get, you then can subsequently funnel the number of candidates that are relevant to you and then take those forward to a next stage. It's, as a gamer, former gamer, well, I, I still do, I do still do play game. As I mentioned, ah, I got a new that. computer this morning. That. And right now, as we're doing the recording, I'm actually installing Fortnite on the background. Well, but don't worry, I'm not going to start playing the game until after our recording. But I just want to understand because gaming is, it appeals to many people, but not all people out there. So when you were to surface this to people who are not that into gaming, would that also result in somehow inevitably throwing people off and reduce the kind of a funnel that you can get through your recruitment? No, look again, the situational judgment test is not, is not, is, is more like Sims. I don't know whether you've ever played Sims on a, on a computer and it's very user-friendly. It's just a scenario and you, you add through a number of game screens, you then come to a situation where you have to answer a specific. So that's, yeah, for me, that is almost as conversational as it gets. Some of the cognitive games are similar to, yeah, the, uh, the mind, the mind learning games that are, that are out there. Uh, 
and to be honest, I think every person on the world at the moment has similar games on their phone that they play on a regular basis. There will always be a percentage that might say, hey, this is not absolutely not for me. And yeah, I, I, I accept the fact that maybe we don't cater to those few percent. But to be honest, any tool, or any approach that you use, there's always a, a percentage of people that say, hey, that's not, I can even say the same for people for interviews that they have. So that they're so scared of, of, of appearing for interviews that they would therefore never, never participate in one. So I think every solution has got its percentage of people that uh, for whom it's not built. And I understand previously when we were having a chat, you were telling me that it took very little seconds for a typical recruiter to scan through a resume. Could you share with the audience how little seconds that is? And of course, how gamification could help you to overcome that? Yeah, so as, as part of our, our whole process of how we can improve, not just on the candidate sides, the experience, but also how we can help recruiters. One of the stunning statistics that I found is that on average, a recruiter spends about 7.3 seconds on a single resume. 7.3 seconds. As a result, the recruiter, in my view, he only looks at the name. He, he probably looks at a number of the demographic eminence. Uh, he probably scans the companies that he has worked for and maybe the university and the GPA. On that basis, a recruiter then makes a decision, certainly for, and this is specifically for mass recruit, for your recruit. Uh, on that basis, a recruiter then makes a decision, should I invite this person in for an interview, yes or not? And as a result, I'm 100% sure that the hit rates, and I've been, a, I've been in doing recruitment for the last 33 years, that, uh, that the hit rate of you getting a person in the door who you spend 30 minutes with in order to, in order to assess whether it's the right candidate, the, the hit rate in terms of getting that right is pretty, pretty low. So the whole idea here is that instead of uh, take doing the 73.3 seconds, you actually let a candidate do a full-blown assessment. And in that full-blown assessment, you get feedback in terms of which candidate scores the best versus the other candidates. And then on that basis, you can then shortlist the people that you want to see for an interview. And the clients have already given very clearly indicate, uh, indication that the quality of candidates that come through the door as a result of it significantly improves and therefore the hit rate of the recruitment recruiter in order to find the right candidates. Having come from the recruitment industry quite some time ago, I actually pride myself in hitting less than five seconds per resume. That's one of the fastest <laughs> ones in, in the company. But seriously speaking, I, I would be, be really glad if something like this had, had materialized when I was still doing recruitment. And in terms of the concept of applying, again, gamification to this work process, I would also imagine maybe some corporation quite, might be a bit hesitant to combine gaming, playing into an actual work process, which is trying to fill uh, their requisition. Is it hard to convince customers, especially the new ones, on trying a concept like this, what are some of the resistance that they usually may surface across to you? Uh, yeah, you've got all, always you've got the innovators and the people that are like sitting on the fence and waiting for, for things to become mainstream. I do think over the last two or three years, the idea that you can use gamification to assess people has really gained significant amount of ground. So yes, yeah, it's in the beginning. People felt what uh, always questions around what is the validation of the assessments? How does it work? Similar questions. Is it relevant for people that are 37 years old? Uh, I don't see myself so much as a gamer, but to be honest, all those answers were primarily trying to, trying to 
build a wall around uh, not, not wanting to change. Uh, and I think you see that across any discipline, that if, if something new and innovative comes, comes along, uh, some people jump on it and say, hey, this is fantastic, let me try. Others will take a little bit longer. Uh, but I am 100% sure that, uh, that, uh, that companies that do not innovate their recruitment process, and that can be through gamification, it can be through all kinds of other things, uh, video interviews, et cetera, et cetera. People that, that do not innovate their recruitment process very soon will look like dinosaurs. And yeah, so I think we're, we're riding a fantastic wave at the moment. And obviously the pandemic that, that, has, that has learned us that you can that you don't have to bring people into the office in order to, to assess them is actually helping a company like ourselves because we've now extended our solutions, not just to gamifying, doing a gamified assessment, but we integrated that with video interview. We actually integrate that with, uh, with virtual group discussions. So in some cases, for some companies, we do management trainee programs or graduate recruitment programs from almost start when we do the whole uh, attraction of candidates all the way to presenting a slate of, of 30 to 40 candidates to the final panel for them to interview. And obviously the efficiencies that we are able to generate are fantastic and the speed that we're able to fantastic leads a lot of companies to actually see that as the future. We always have this term, gaming the system. <laughs> Knowing that it is a game and perhaps even for people who are attempting it multiple times, would there be a possibility that they could try to somewhat game the system? Of course they try. And so I've got wonderful examples of that people in certain universities are being called Mr. C-Factor, which was the name of the game that we used because apparently he got paid by some of his uh, student colleagues to actually play the game on, on their behalf. The good thing is that it's very difficult to game, to game the system. One is that in situational judgment tests, there's no single right so that has been designed for that. Secondly, on the basis of the answers, the, like I said, the scenarios change. So therefore it's very different, difficult for people to really anticipate, they have to really play it a number of times to have been able to see all the different scenarios and understand how it all works. The cognitive ability games is like any cognitive ability that you have that has been tested. Even if you do it 20 times, I don't think that you can get significantly better at it. So. Yeah, people try. There's a lot of uh, YouTube videos out there in which they, in which they showcase what uh, their experience is. We never respond because first of all, I think, I think it's a, it creates a little bit of, uh, of uh, free publicity. And secondly, we know that the, actually the answers that they gave is, is, is wrong or in some cases wrong. So the only thing that we sometimes do is highlight the fact that people for them uh, on those YouTube videos let them know that people have to decide for themselves and not with their eyes clo closed, following the suggestions that the uh, YouTuber gives. I understand you had customers who actually signed up with you guys and then uh, backed out along the way. Uh, so what happened there? No, I think it's, it's, it's prior for, for a couple of them. The majority of them was, was to do with uh, just, uh, yeah, programs being cancelled. Certainly, of course, at the beginning of COVID, that happened quite significantly. But the one or two other companies was primarily around, yeah, being slightly, uh, almost the recruiters being slightly afraid of the efficiencies that were generated and the impact that that would have in terms of the roles. And the third reason is often to do with that they, that they don't find the right moment, the right time the right opportunity to actually integrate the solution in that total process. 
So on one hand, they are afraid that it is actually helping them to achieve their KPI. So they have, they, they, they have never achieved their KPI before. So this thing is, <laughs> is quite a monster for them. And of course, the other part of change management is quite common. I had chatted with uh, other solution provider and change management constantly is a theme that I see across different inclusion of new workflow, new process, new software. When it's not well communicated, things just doesn't end up yeah. well. But having said that, I'm happy to note that it's only just a couple for you. You do have a very solid poster boy as one of your clients. Can you talk about them and what exactly you do for them? Yeah. So uh, uh, a year ago, Nestle Asia, Africa and Oceania signed up with us to help them promote their Nestle Needs Youth uh, program. And as part of them, they've got a commitment to actually provide opportunities for youth, for professional upskilling to about, I think, 10 million people across the world. And they've asked us to say, hey, we're going to do these, these internship programs called Nestlernship. We are at the moment in lockdown and we need a way to, to on the one hand, create that, that image. And on the other hand, use this as an assessment tool in order to shortlist the right interns for us. And yeah, we last year we went live for Nestlernship in Asia, Oceania and Africa. So that means about 75 different countries went live. We've now done that for 12, uh, 12 months. 60,000 candidates have been, have been assessed. And recently Nestle for this region has extended that for this year as well. And they're looking for a long-term partnership. In addition. Nestle Europe became so excited about what we did in Asia that they have, they have uh, the same solution and they are now offering it for everything around uh, the Middle East, Northern Africa and, and Europe. So that added another 50 countries to the roster. And we are currently in discussion to roll it out in, in Latin, in Latin America as well. So yeah, it looks like that this uh, small startup team has now a, a global client servicing about 150 different countries and servicing about 75, 80,000 uh, candidates on the, on the annual. Recently, we have, we have started on, on Nestle's request, started to share the feedback to uh, the, the assessment report to the candidates themselves. And yeah, that was for me a highlight. Uh, we, we sent out 60,000 assessment reports to all these candidates that, that had applied over the last uh, number of months. And uh, yeah, our email inboxes have been flooded with the appreciation of from candidates in terms of this, uh, this effort. Just one, Mr. Mr. Sheikh has a so accurate and admirable job by Nestle and the delegates gave out personalized results for cognitive, cognitive assessment. People, uh, candidates really want feedback. And, and I think that's where I, I'm getting all my juices flowing and the, the, the passion being absolutely uh, highlighted is if it, I can really create that, uh, we can create that experience and at the same time give back to those candidates and create some transparency in the process. Because if you are, if you're a 20, 22 year old, you've just graduated from a bachelor's in engineering and you go out into the big, bad world and you apply for all these big companies that sounds fantastic, where you know that you've got a very small chance because you won out of 3000. And most of the time, no, all these, most of most companies is a, it's a black box. You send it in and they only say, if you're shortlisted, we, uh, we, uh, we get in touch with you. So that means that 99% of people who are not going to be shortlisted are not going to get anything back. And the simple fact that through a technology solution through an assessment solution, we actually can give back to hundred percent of all those candidates is really fantastic. I, I, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do there. 
and I'm glad that the students seem to like it as well. I'm actually reminded of a discussion I had with one of the train operators in Singapore. There's only two of them, so go figure which one it is. I was still in a HR tech company, was selling to them or trying to sell to them this ATS. And one yeah. feature that we have is to provide real-time feedback to the candidate mm. on their status yeah. of the application. And yeah. when they saw that, they were like, can we switch this off? Then, of course, we asked a bit more and then realized oh, we do not want people to come back to us and ask us why you didn't get selected, this and that. What's your thought on this? And do, do you still do you think that their rationale is valid? On the flip side, of course, as a candidate, I would imagine I definitely want the feedback. Uh, feedback that is reasonably timed. Don't make it so fast to let me know, obviously, that it's only screened through the AI. You submit right now and then one second later, you get a rejection letter. It's not, not like that, but still the transparency behind it. So what's your thought on that? Now, I think I'm absolutely um, stunned by 90% of companies do not want to send that feedback to candidates. Uh, and if I talk about assessment report, I'm not talking about whether a candidate has been hired or been rejected. What I, what I talk about is that they get insight in how do they score compared to the other people that have, had a, have applied in quartile basis. So whether you're in first, second, third or fourth quartile. And then subsequently, what we also do is on the basis of their score, we give the number of development suggestions. Yeah, so it's not direct. And, and I think so, therefore, they can do something with the information that they scored in the third quartile or in the first quartile. So it's nothing that, that exposes the company in terms, of, in terms of the rejections and or not. But yeah, there's a, there is a significant hesitancy around transparency. And that's one of the reasons that I really want to crush. I really want to drive, make the whole process more transparent because uh, we, we all know that, that we use the, the opaqueness of the process also to sometimes make decisions that might, you don't want to put out on Twitter. So yeah, I'm very keen to, to see how we can drive transparency in that recruitment process. I. Hope so too for all the future candidates out there, as well as for our employees. I think this would definitely become even a very unique and unfair advantage that you have over competition that might just be a bit too opaque in their process. So uh, the other thing you mentioned about, of course, getting into different countries, 150 of them through your project, Nestle. Are there any surprises or any interesting insights on how people interact with your games across all these different countries? No, it's, it's actually, the surprise is actually that if I look at scores across countries, how come, and, and, and that's something that really stood out. We've now done that analysis in terms of, okay, look at assessment data of 50,000 people and see how they score across those 150 different countries. And yeah, it is very coherent and very consistent across. So I'm actually pleased from a solution perspective, that is the case. It does surprise me when you go out and roll out these solutions across the globe is the differences, uh, certainly in terms of uh, legislation, in terms of what's allowed and what's not allowed. Uh, with, with examples of countries where it's not allowed to ask for birthday, where countries is not allowed to ask for gender. Uh, and yeah, our, uh, and the need for and our ability to be able to, to, to accommodate all those different uh, countries, legislations, restrictions or opportunities that, uh, that, that makes them then specifically and unique. Got it. 
And for people who is interested to understand what's next for the talent games, uh, what's on your roadmap? On our, on our roadmap is uh, it's global domination. <laughs> You're almost there. You're already 150 <laughs> over plus countries. Pres there. Pre presence is slightly different than domination. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are now also expanding. We've just recently opened an office in, in Canada. So we are going fast forward into the uh, North American market. We now have all the, uh, all the GDRP uh, approvals to, to be live in Europe. Uh, so yes, we will be expanding our footprint. At the same, my, my vision is to get a Sims-like consumer, consumer Sims-like uh, game in the professional recruitment world. So we have a long way to go in terms of improving our, our, our game it's, it's itself. And of course, to expand the number of assessments and the number of, uh, of ways that the companies can use it. I give you one fantastic example that we currently work on that actually has to go live. Uh, we're working with a large retail bank that has got 15,000 employees in their, in their branches. And for them, it's absolutely impossible to have a objective assessment or an outside outsider assessment of all those 15,000 people. So they actually have approached us to use our gamified solutions and we are, we are, we are specifically uh, tinkering, or not tinkering it, but designing it in order to be uh, to be valid and appropriate for branch personnel in order to be able to assess 15,000 people in that in that bank and on that basis allowing them to come up with corporate driven development plans across their whole branch network and those are things where i think we that technology is the only solution to take that forward and to do that with a gamified techno solution just makes it much more fun and interesting for people to do it Exciting time. So people who is interested to find out more about Talent Games, where can they go? I'm very proud of our website, www.thetalentgames.com. I'm sure that, uh, that in, the, in the podcast information, there's my, my email address and other uh, contact details. Yeah, reach out and I promise you we, we respond very quickly. Great. As uh, Paul mentioned, the link to thetalentgames.com will be in the show notes as well as all other information that will make it easier for you to find out more about the Talent Games. And uh, lastly, thank you so much for making time today. And I hope to see you really soon in Singapore, yeah, hopefully. That will, that will be safe, That will be nice. That will be nice. Definitely we all so. human contact now, correct? We all need human contact after such a long time. For sure. Hopefully the next time we catch up on this podcast is actually in person. But once again, thank you so much for making time today. Thank you for having me, Adrian. Good luck. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.